Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Real Life. I'm Lisa, and today we are going to talk about catastrophizing. Try to say that five times real fast. Uh, This podcast is not intended to replace therapy, counseling, or seeing a psychiatrist. All information is researched and opinions are my own. I am an inpatient mental health registered nurse and professional content developer. So let's talk about catastrophizing. You know, at some point in this podcast episode, I am going to mispronounce this word. But anyway, uh, in, in the classic fable, Henny Penny, also known as Chicken Little, the title character is just convinced that the sky was falling after an acorn hits them in the head and becomes completely obsessed with telling everyone and anyone who would listen a delightfully warped example of how panic and hysteria can very quickly get out of hand since a bunch of other characters quickly became swept up in the drama of it all. And as a side note here, why were all those fables and children's stories so warped? Anyway, back to catastrophizing. What is catastrophizing? It basically describes the tendency to think that the worst-case scenario is most likely to happen, or believing that a situation is considerably worse than it actually is. In fact, according to Psych Central, and I quote, catastrophizing involves thinking that the worst will happen after actions or events you experience in your life Although considering the consequences of a decision or life event is a regular part of thinking things through, dot, 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 if you find yourself unable to stop thinking about the worst possible outcome, no matter how improbable, you're catastrophizing. Look, we all have negative thoughts from time to time. However, Some of us may find our thoughts going into a spiral of negativity and our minds can take a random event and turn it into evidence of how everything is about to go to total crap. Often our minds can take a situation and blow it completely out of proportion, which, of course, makes things feel even worse because then we end up feeling even more negativity. The thing is that, whether we care to admit it or not, we human beings tend to default to negative thinking or worried thinking as a means of self-preservation. There's an entire thing in psychology called the negativity bias. And that's just one type of 
bias that's out there, which describes our tendency to not only notice the negative more than the positive, but also to dwell on negative events and situations a lot more. To quote very well mind, this psychological phenomenon explains why bad first impressions can be so difficult to overcome and why past traumas can have such a long, just such long lingering effects in almost any interaction. We are more likely to notice negative things and later remember them more vividly. And in my opinion and life experience, uh, those things, these negative things that we remember later are not only more vivid, but what actually happened may be blown out of proportion uh, due to constant thinking of that negative thing. So as humans, we tend to, number one, remember traumatic experiences better than positive ones. Also, recall insults better than praise. React more strongly to negative stimuli. And then think about negative things more frequently than positive ones. And then also, as humans, we also tend to respond more strongly to negative events than to equally positive ones. Boy, that's that's something else to overcome as a, a human being. Um, our mind just, we are molded as humans to think negative and negatively uh, before positive. It, it, that's that's a hard one to really overcome. So that bias towards the negative does go quite some way towards explaining why we keep on tuning into the news day after day when it's full of declarations of gloom and doom. In fact, I have a podcast episode uh, that I talk about doom scrolling. Uh, you might be interested in that, uh, that gloom and doom sc scrolling that we don't even know that we're doing. So, going back to what I was saying, uh, that bias towards the negative does go quite some way towards explaining why we keep on tuning into the news day after day when it's full of declarations of gloom and doom and why throughout history there have been so many overly enthusiastic 
predictions of the end of days. To be fair, that's still happening today. And I'm sure there are plenty of people currently holed up in a bunker in the middle of nowhere waiting for the next expected catastrophe. So that leads me to what it isn't. And catastrophizing isn't a mental health disorder in and of itself. It's commonly associated with depression as well as anxiety disorders like generalized anxiety disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and things like that. But it's not its own type of disorder. And it's also common for people living with chronic pain to experience catastrophizing about their condition. And then the other thing I want to say here is that catastrophizing isn't evidence of your instinct or intuition at play. So now let's talk about why it's important that we understand catastrophizing matters. What? Yes. And it matters because of that spiral thing I mentioned a few moments ago. When you go into catastrophizing mode, you will commonly start thinking that the most random and remote possibility is actually a certainty, which then triggers off your fears and insecurities, which then feeds into the whole catastrophic idea that's going on in your mind, which then creates a downward spiral of fear and negativity that begins to feed off itself. And before you know it, you're hunkering down in a hole in the backyard with a solar torch and a year's supply of baked beans while you wait for the zombies to arrive. Now, I don't mean to make light of catastrophizing because it's a serious situation and I know firsthand how awful it can be especially since this is one of my defaults whenever my anxiety is particularly bad. But I'm also not going to shy away from making the point that the majority of the things we panic about are completely and utterly ridiculous. Ooh, I felt some people just uh, getting out of listening to this podcast when I said that. But it's the truth. We might find ourselves thinking that our entire lives are definitely going to fall to pieces because of one interaction or a specific mistake that we made or someone else has made. And the fact is that it's just not true you have a greater likelihood of walking down the street and receiving a phone call to tell you that you got the lead in a movie you never auditioned for and then having a safe dropped on you from above. Seriously, what was with all the safe dropping and falling pianos in cartoons and movies when I was a kid? Uh, they really led me to believe it was going to be much more of a problem in adulthood than it turned out to be, just like quicksand, which I'm yet to... I've yet to see anywhere outside of a, a Bugs Bunny rerun. 
Anyway, my point is that things are unlikely to be as bad as what our hyper-negative, catastrophically thinking minds want us to believe they will be when we're in an agitated or highly emotional state. Remember, just remember what I said before when I pointed out the possibility, the possibility versus certainty thing. Anything in life is possible, but the only absolute certainties are death, taxes, and change. No comments about what other thing or things are absolute certainties. That's not a podcast on absolute certainties. But, oh, in reality stars making a fool of themselves on social media. I'll throw that in. Here's the thing I really want you to take away from all of this. Most of your worries will never happen. We often spend so much time worrying about things that we forget to take a step back and look at the actual likelihood of whether or not they will really ever eventuate. Frankly, you have a higher chance of winning the lottery than you do of having the things you worry about come true. Instead of letting worry distract you, you can choose to notice those thoughts and label them. That way you'll find it easier to calm yourself instead of trying to resist the thoughts, which rarely works. And, and you can just let those worried thoughts pass by you with ease. Remember, thoughts are not facts. I'll say that again. Thoughts are not facts. So, with all of that in mind, let's get into the how-to part of today's episode and talk about how to manage catastrophic catastrophizing in a healthy way. First, pause and breathe. And no surprises that I started with this one because it's one of the most common bits of advice I give simply because it's often the most effective. When you're filled with nervous, mental and emotional energy, you need to do something to circuit break that. And so stopping in order to reset your focus can make a huge difference. I don't know if you know this specific reference, but quite a few countries talk about stop, drop, and roll when it comes to fire safety. And I like to apply that idea to catastrophizing. Immediately stop what you're doing. Drop your attention to your breathing and roll through at least a minute of conscious, gentle breath work before you do anything else. Okay, next. Put it into context because it might feel like you're dealing with an issue or mistake of monumental proportions, but I guarantee you 
that it's not the end of the world. And I'd even go so far as to say that you're probably not going to remember these specifics in five months, let alone five years. Like I said earlier, we tend to default to the worst case scenario in things. And yet, when you step back and look at things in relation to the bigger picture of your life, you'll usually see that it's not as much of a catastrophe as it feels like. One way to help you do that is my next point. Write it out. And this is another one that I talk about a lot. And I do so because that kind of anxious or nervous energy will just go around and around and around in your head unless you let it out. I mean, when you think about it, energy has to go somewhere. And so you can either let it stay in your mind, going around and around in circles and picking up speed as it goes, or you can express it by writing it out. And when I say writing it, I mean actually writing with a pen and paper or pencil and paper, whatever you prefer, because that allows you to physically channel that energy somewhere rather than allowing it to stay trapped inside you. Okay, next, delayed action. Because you might be tempted to try and act on your fears or insecurities or to address a perceived issue to try and fix the situation, but given that you will likely be feeling highly emotional since that's what tends to happen when we are catastrophizing since we're focused on the worst case scenario. This is most definitely not the time to try and take action because it's going to be driven by pure emotion and is very unlikely to include any kind of logical or rational decision making. Emotions are important and they play a big role in your lives. But when we make decisions purely based on emotion, we are not able to think through the bigger picture or the potential consequences of our choices. And so things can just end up being a great big mess. Part of the previous point of writing things out is to get the emotions out of your head, but also to allow yourself time to then step back and delay taking any action until you've had a chance to think about things more rationally. That's going to buy you some time and it's going to help your emotions to settle down before you go any further. And speaking of next steps, my next point is objectively assess your fears. So once you feel more calm, it's time to apply some logical thinking. Take a look at each of your catastrophic thoughts one by one and ask yourself, how likely is this to 
really happen. Like I said earlier, anything is possible, but there's a huge difference between possible and likely. Of course it's possible. I could win a Grammy, but since I can't carry a tune, it's not particularly likely unless the entire population went tone deaf. You might also find it helpful to actively challenge your fears by considering alternate options or possibilities. For example, the catastrophic thought might be that everything will go wrong and you'll fail completely. But what would happen if everything went right and you succeeded by identifying alternative possible outcomes and imagining what they would look and feel like? You're deliberately taking your focus away from the catastrophic thoughts and turning your attention towards other things. Also, talk about it. And this is similar to my earlier point about writing it out to get it out. But I'm adding this in simply as an alternative option to remind you that sometimes we just need to talk to someone and sometimes we just need to get things off our chest for no other reason than wanting to be seen and heard as a human being. The people who love you and who support you are not going to ridicule you for having fears and insecurities. The people who genuinely love you are going to be kind and supportive and they're going to help you find solutions rather than allowing you to dwell on problems. And that is exactly what you need when you're in a catastrophizing headspace. How about catastrophizing it? <laughs> catastrophizing headspace. Because it's by finding solutions that we begin to lessen the hold that these kinds of thoughts have over us. And that leads to my next point. Consider what you would tell a close friend. I'm sure you've been in the situation of having to talk a good friend through a problem or lending a sympathetic ear as they navigate through a crisis and of course, that's when you're able to pull out suggestions that are grounded in kindness, support, and understanding. So why then is it so hard to do that for yourself? I want you to think about what kind of advice or guidance you might offer to a friend who is dealing with something similar to what you're going through and then give that advice to yourself so you can apply it to your situation. All right, next is remind yourself of your past success. You know, that post that seems to make its way around the internet once every few weeks or so that says you've survived 100% of your worst days so far? It might be a bit cheesy, but it's true. 
you really have made it through all of your previous challenges. And so based on those odds, you are very likely to make it through this current one. I'm not really a gambling person other than the odd lottery ticket, like once every five years. But that sounds like a sure bet that I'd put money on. Look, catastrophic thinking is a self-protection mechanism. Did you know that? It's a self-protection mechanism, and it's your mind trying to ensure that you survive based on the fact that clear and objective evidence proves you have survived previous problems and issues. Can you see why reminding yourself of the, that fact and of your previous successes is going to help you to recognize your ability to survive this one as well. Next, focus on solutions. Because whether you look for problems or you look for solutions, what you seek is what you will find. In any situation where you find yourself stuck, it's going to be incredibly helpful to turn your focus to possible solutions to an issue or problem because that will create a more positive focus. And it will also help you to find a way to move forward by looking for opportunities. How do you do that? Well, that's what my next point is all about. And it is look at what is within your direct control. Because a lot of things that we worry about are completely outside of our control. And so no amount of stressing over them or catastrophic thinking is ever, ever going to change that fact. You have direct control over what you do and say, as well as what you choose to do with your emotions. And that's it. End of sentence. You can absolutely influence external events and other people. And I highly encourage you to do so, especially where it's related to important causes that affect all of us. But since you have no direct control over what does or doesn't happen, all you can really do is make your peace with that fact and instead turn your focus to what you can control. Also, focus on one step at a time. Because one of the biggest challenges of being in a problem-focused headspace is that it can be hard to see the forest for the trees. In other words, the problem or issue can feel so overwhelming that it might feel virtually impossible to find a way out of it. Rather than trying to fix everything all at once or feeling that you have to have all of the answers immediately, instead come up with a plan of what needs to be done. Break it down into the smallest possible steps and then simply focus on one step at a time. What that does is it helps to reduce the sense of overwhelm. Because if you're trying to focus on the entire problem or issue all at once, it's probably going to feel fairly huge and difficult to deal with. And it also helps you to make progress at a calmer and more thoughtful pace. By the way, this is one of those pieces of advice that applies to pretty much anything, 
when you simply focus on taking things one step at a time and one day at a time, it's going to make it far less overwhelming for you. Also, label your thoughts. Label your thoughts. And this is a technique that really helps you to observe your thoughts more objectively in order to look at them in a rational and detached way. More rational and detached way. So, because when it comes to catastrophizing and mental health, what it all boils down to is this. Sometimes our minds can become fixed on the worst case scenario or can focus on possible futures that we're convinced are going to happen. But there is an enormous difference between possible and likely. Catastrophic thinking focuses on what we believe is most likely to happen. However, it's only one of an infinite number of possibilities. And the fact is that you cannot accurately predict the future. And so logic and past experience suggest the future is very unlikely to turn out the way that your fears and insecurities imagine it. Rather than allowing yourself to be swept away by negative thoughts, instead focus on the positive and look for solutions to help you move forward. This is Real Life. I'm Lisa. Stay well.